All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. Thanks for joining us again. Tim's joining us back in Beantown. Tim, you made it safely back from Grand Rapids. How was your trip? What are you up to? It was good. It was so good seeing you. So good seeing the girls. That was honestly the highlight of the whole thing, hanging out with them. It was so much fun. Um, but the trip was great. The GLI was great. It's cool meeting people and... Yeah, wish to wish Michigan Tech had a better showing, but it was still a lot of fun. They did the second game. They came back. It's funny. I talked to the coaches after the first game, before the second game, and you know they they were not happy. When you get blown out, there's there's a there's nothing you can do, and that's where Joe Thornton. He was one of the better leaders that I've ever been around because he just moved on. You know, he he didn't dwell on things. There's a certain amount of time where you should think about things and go, okay, why did this happen? How do we correct? And then we have to move on. You don't dwell on things because then they eat at you and you just, you need to move past them. And Jumbo, <clears throat> anytime we had a loss, a bad loss, because there's, you know, you lose a two to one game, you lose a three to two game. That's, it happens. You're not going to win them all. But when you lose a really, really big blowout, a stinker, those can either affect you long-term those are the ones that stay with you. It's like, do we really have a chance any of these games in the NHL season? And Jumbo, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have. Well, go ahead. Well, no, this is totally off the record, off the agenda, but like how many of the leaders and the captain, the assistant captains, whatever, actively worked on being a better leader? Like whether they're reading books or working with like leadership coaches or, you know, people outside the team or how many of those guys are just, everything just came completely natural. They were just themselves and did what they felt was right. Like how many of them worked towards it? Uh, I don't think any of them that I know of. <laughs> I, well, I, I think of Bacchus. Like Bacchus, I'm sure, was reading books and, and was very intentional about leadership compared to someone like Jumbo, you know? Yeah, Jumbo didn't. He He's not reading books about leadership. <laughs> that's for sure. And I don't know. Maybe like I could see maybe a Johnny Taves reading a book because he took those things seriously, but I never saw him reading a le- – I don't know. To me, yeah. I'm, I, I – th- if I would have, and I, and keep in mind, I don't like prescription drugs. I don't like Tylenol. I don't like anything that could potentially, I don't like vitamins. 
If huh. I see someone reading a leadership book, I'm just like, loser. Like, I'm not following you into battle if you're reading a book on how to be a leader. I want to know it's just coming from you. It's ingrained in you. You're a born leader. Jumbo was that guy. He's like, he he would come on the plane. He would try to lighten the mood. He'd say, it's, it happens. He'd make sure everybody has a beer. He would say, we're going to get him, you know, the next game. Let's move past this. Because other teams, you're on it. You you lose 7-1. to one. The coach is pissed. The players are pissed. You jump on the plane. You're driving home if you're at home. And that's all you think about. And then you go to bed upset. You go to bed in a bad mood. You wake up. You're nervous to go to the rink. How is the mood going to be? You go into the meeting room. You know you're going to get just shellacked by the coach. And Jumbo wouldn't have it. He'd come back. He would be jokey. He would be jovial. And it would be not a great mood, but it would be fine. You live to play another day. This game, there's 81 more. We'll be fine. Let's go. And I thought that was a great kind of way to handle those situations. Yes, maybe if it happens three, four, five times, then you got to address it. But hey, every team every year loses a stinker like that. And that happened to Tech. So they they bounce back. They beat Michigan State the next day in overtime. Michigan State's a very good hockey team. Michigan Tech, Michigan Tech beat them in overtime. So good for Tech. Michigan State theoretically, should blow Tech out of the water every single game. They're 10 times the size of Michigan Tech, if not more. How many people do you think go to uh, state? 100,000? Like, I, I was thinking 40,000. Maybe it's more. Yeah, yeah I, don't know. I don't even know. But Tech's like 6,000. And they're still one of the best teams in college hockey. It's incredible. How did Ferris beat them? Weren't they the, the fourth-ranked team in this group? Well, apparently the MSU-Ferris game, uh, MSU just outchanced them 10-1. to 1. And Ferris's goalie just stood on his head and State just couldn't score a goal. And Ferris got a couple lucky bounces, scored a goal, and then that was it. So so yeah. speaking of, of locker room having fun and everything, I was just driving in the car, listening to the, the local radio. They're talking about the Patriots, as they always do. And the conversation right now is whether Belichick is still the right coach for this team or whether he should still be coaching at all in the NFL, whether the league is sort of passed by him. And this guy was making the point that you've made many times. is like the players nowadays, the kids, they don't want – a coach they don't want discipline they don't want the hard work not not the hard work but like they don't want to be told what to do they want to just do their own workouts they want to be told how great they are they want the younger coach like they talked about mike mcdaniels down in uh, miami he's like he's dancing in the locker room he knows all the words to all the songs he's eating candy <laughs> bars he's doing tiktok videos it's like and then you got belichick who's the complete opposite and and guys are leaving new england and and everyone wants to play for a guy like uh mcdaniels or the guy in who they just won the Super Bowl, Sean McVay, the cool yeah. young hip guy. Yeah, I guess it works. I don't know. I, it just it harkened back. Even you were just talking about that. I'm, I'm looking at the World Junior Championships. Team Canada, always a favorite. They got Connor Bedard, number one overall pick in the upcoming draft. They got that Adam Fan, Fanatilli. He's supposedly going to be the number two overall pick. They lose their first game to the Czech Republic, five to two. Was it like a huge upset? Canada should never lose in this tournament. They should win every single game. They have the best talent in the world overall. Yes, some teams have a couple stars here and there, but from first line to fourth line, six defensemen, two goaltenders, Canada, they should win every single game of every single tournament. They lose game one. And this is lower on our agenda, Tim. I want to talk about that right off the bat. It kind of plays nicely into this about kids not wanting to work hard, the expectations that they have. And after this game, when they lose game one, one of their leaders, Dylan Guntier or Gunter, he calls out Bedard. He calls out Fanatilli. 
He goes, it's a skilled play. We're not going to Michigan our way to the final. And that's in reference to those two guys in the first 10 minutes of the first game, trying the Michigan move behind the net, pick it up on your stick, trying to tuck it underneath the bar and the goaltender for the opposing team. Was it the Czech Republic or was it Slovakia? It was was Czech, Czech, I think. Yeah, he knew he was ready. He's a tall goalie. He tucks his shoulder up under the bar and he blocks both of them. Beautiful play by the goaltender. Anyways, Czech wins. Canada goes down five to two. Turmoil in the locker room. This guy's calling out the top two players. The message is, and this guy continues his quote. The coach touched on it. Um, Shane Wright touched on it. One of the quotes was, we're trying to skill our way through it. We're trying to toe drag. We're trying to beat guys one-on-one. To win, you have to play the right way. You have to play together and play as a team. It It starts with the simple side of the game, winning battles. Our skill, there's no problem that way. It's the compete level, the one-on-one battle, and stuff like that. This guy, I I love it. And it's funny, people talk about in the offseason, you have to develop your skills, you have to do this. And even watching, in Mich- watching Michigan Tech, and I, I don't want to keep beating the Michigan Tech drum, but talking to their coaches after the game, Western Michigan was a skill team. High-end talent. They're leading the conference, they're leading the nation in scoring. Tech tried to play a skill game. Wasn't going to happen. Then you see Team Canada, the most skilled team of the tournament. They're trying to play a skill game. And even they can't win. You can't win just from skill. You have to have some structure. You have to have some effort. You have to have some kind of hard work, work ethic to win. And that harkens back backs to Connor McDavid. My infamous tweet I had three or four days ago where people are still launching grenades at my house. Like I'm under fire. The FBI is protecting me. I might go into the witness protection program. All of this ties together. Every championship team, every successful team internationally, you can't win it from skill alone. You have to have some work ethic. You can't just go out there in Michigan way. Michigan, your way to the championship. And it's just plain as day, Team Canada, most skilled team in the tournament. They lose game one because Czech Republic played as a team and they worked hard. Bingo, bango, bongo. I'd rather have 20 Patrice Bergerons than 20 Connor McDavid's. I'm winning the Stanley Cup every time if I'm playing Patrice Bergerons. There you go. I'm doubling down on it. I don't care. People throwing grenades at me. Even the players from those four teams we ran into, the the Broncos, the States, the Spartans, the Huskies, like, who who would you pick? These guys were coming up to me, Tim, in the locker room, in the hotel. Like, uh, who are you going to pick over at McDavid? I'm like, I'll tell you who I'm going to pick. And I get, I, I list them five, six, seven, eight guys I'd rather have over McDavid. I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. I stand by my my, my statement. I really do. And I, and I know why I keep going back to this, but people keep talking about it, so I have to address it. But anyways... Team Canada, they shake it off. They destroy Germany game two. I think it was 11 to two. Bedard had seven points. I think only four of them were legit. One goal was a gift. One assist he didn't even touch. One assist came off the defenseman, tipping it off of his stick. So he had a good game, but it came not. He wasn't giving up his back end, his defensive end. He was he was playing. The guys were banging. They were playing hard. They were physical. They were involved in the game. And the goals came. And it didn't hurt that they had five power play goals. And it was just a power play extravaganza out there. And we'll touch on that in a second. But I don't know. 
Any comments on that, Tim? Well, just going back to the Michigan thing real quick, I saw a conversation on Twitter last night that was basically like, yeah, it looks kind of gimmicky now, but I think we've gotten to the point where these kids are so skilled where it's a legitimate way to score. It's it's like a it's a it's a good advantage. If you're in that position, why not try it? It's not like the 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 fluffy gimmicky thing that maybe it was when it first started or or like twenty years ago when Mike whatever did it from Michigan. Like I think it's do you think it's a legitimate thing or or do, every time you see it from no matter from now on, no matter what, you're gonna roll your eyes at it? Uh yeah, it's it's a good way to score. There, there's a weakness in the goaltender when he's hugging the net. The upper part of the net is there. I, I get it. What I want to happen is for one of these guys who, when he picks up the puck on his stick, you have to look down to corral the puck. I want that forward who's playing high on the defensive side to immediately leave his defenseman and make a beeline to that guy behind the net because he's going to be looking at the goaltender. He's looking at the goaltender's shoulder, the top of the net. He's exposing himself. And I want someone to blow that guy up. That's what I want. I don't think it'll happen, but I think that's a good way to dissuade someone from doing that. Because I know Derek Bugard used to do that when I played against him and with him. He would see a forward enter the zone. As soon as that forward didn't make a move towards the net and he would start going behind the net, Boogie would come 100 miles an hour. And as soon as that guy came around the net, he would try to take his head off. And that's uh, that's all it's going to take. One time, a, a guy trying to pick up the puck, do the Michigan, and someone just train wrecks him behind the net. Because you're not ready for a hit at that point. You're looking at the goaltender. You're looking at the upper part of the net. You're looking at your stick. You're not paying attention to anything around you. You think you're protected by the net. You can see your D-man who's covering you. He's in front of the net. You don't see that forward coming down, that weak side forward. I want that to. It won't. Maybe it will. Fourth line guy. Enough is enough and just goes and buries somebody. But yeah, going back to your question, it's a good way to score. I, I don't hate it. I don't love it. You know, it's it's well, not my it's not my style. I do I work on it now when men's lead, I, I pick up the stick. But hey, I think it's uh, less about that specific goal, more just about what it represents. And like you said, Canada was trying to toe drag at the blue line, do all this fancy stuff. And they got beat trying to win on skill alone. And pretty much at any level, we've seen that you're not going to do that if you're playing against any any kind of decent team. So I think the criticism is less to do with that specific move and more just trying to, you know, it's representing that generation that wants to win on flashy stuff and rather than substance. And kind of married to this generation and the refs are making it way worse is the hitting aspect. People talk about our game. It's becoming more European. It's becoming more skilled. We're, we're not, it's not the hard nose hockey game that we grow to love the playoff style. There's been ejections left and right in the world junior championships. The refs are being very liberal with their whistles. Anytime someone gets blown up, beep, five minutes targeting the head, you're out of the game. I think it's happened three or four times. It's coming to a point where you can't hit anybody. Mike Commodore, not the friend of the show, probably will never be a friend of the show. But Mike Commodore, he's won a Stanley Cup. He's won a World Juniors. I think he's won a national champ. The guy's won. He made a comment where he said, the World Junior Championships will turn into the Women's Hockey Championships in five years. I think that was the quote. I, I might be off by a few years. But anyways, that, that was the essence of his quote saying, this will be the women's game where there will be no contact and you're just going to be allowed to rub people out because anytime you hit someone with a little bit of force now in this tournament, that's the way it's looking after the first few days, you're going to get five, you're going to get a game and that's it. And all of these hits, I, I watched all of them. 
None of them deserved five in a game. None of them. They were all great. I, I just don't know what's happening. And then another guy gets a 10-minute misconduct because he's chewing on his mouth guard. You have to have your mouth guard in. It's a part of your equipment. It has to be in. It has to be just solidly nestling your teeth. You can't chew on it at all. Like, what are we What are we doing here? How How has our game gone from you got to be tough, you get 10 teeth knocked out, you don't miss a shift, to your mouth guard isn't in your mouth and you're getting a 10-minute misconduct and you have a clean hit and you're kicked out of the game. It's not a good sign for our game. If this is how we're calling it at the international level with the best of the best of the best, it's emblematic of everything. It's all intertwined, Tim. We're turning these men into just soft, pampered. It it, it really irks me. This is not our game. It's not. I don't mind the Michigan move. But I still want to be able to bury somebody. I still want to see massive hits. The World Junior Championships, when I was a kid, you would see bone-crushing hits all the time. Don't you remember that? It was just Team Canada would play Latvia, and I felt bad for the Latvians. Team Canada would just bulldozing up. It was fantastic to watch. Eric Lindros, they didn't stand a chance. Nowadays, you don't see anything. It's really sad, and I, I hope it ebbs and flows, and it's just a phase that we're in right now. And people just get sick of it because you see it throughout our society. I don't want to get into it, but it's just, <laughs> I don't, I don't like it. I don't like where it's headed. So if, if it's a phase, it's going to get worse before it gets better with these what's rules. Gonna, what's going to happen. And I was talking about someone, I was talking to someone about this this weekend. Teams will continue to go this skill route and there'll be a team that comes along and they will buck the trend and they'll say, okay, all these teams are skilled. They're toe dragon. They're Michigan in their way all around the ice. We're going to dress three lines of guys who just want to murder somebody. Decent skill. Don't get me wrong. Those three lines will be very skilled, but their first, second, and third moves on the ice will be to kill everything that moves. And that'll change the game because right now I don't think teams are trying to skill to win. I don't think there's the broad street bullies. You saw the Bruins back in the day when they were just beating teams up and they were very, very hard to play against. I can't think of one team that I would be nervous to play against. That is just very, very physical. That's being successful. So I think we'll continue to see the skill route for the next two, three, 10 years, but then someone will buck the trend and they'll just drive everybody through the boards. Like Philadelphia did, like Boston did, like St. Louis did when they won the cup then things will start to change and you'll see teams will need a toughness factor in their lineup to kind of push back a little bit, but it, it it won't be for years. I just think this is where we're headed. I, I don't see it slowing down at all. So yeah. I don't know. Moving on. Toronto Maple Leafs got fined to 100. Yeah. It was, a, it was a strange one. And should, is it even worth talking about? I don't know, but they get fined $100,000 by the NHL for violating the CBA. They flew to St. Louis a little early. They have a mandated, a league-mandated holiday where you can't have any hockey activities. I think it was the 25th and the 26th. Maybe the 24th. You have to have that break. You're not allowed to have practices. You're not allowed to have meetings. You're not allowed to have any contact with the players whatsoever. Well, Toronto thought it would be better 
to get out of Toronto a little bit earlier. They left on the 26th at 10.30 p.m. instead of waiting until midnight just to get to St. Louis earlier. Give the boys a little bit more sleep rather than leaving at 5 a.m. on the 27th and you have to wake up at 4 and get to the airport and this and that. Well, the NHL found out about it, fined them $100,000. They fined their coach $25,000. Do you think Toronto cares? $100,000? They'd do it in a heartbeat. That's nothing to them. It's a drop in the bucket. They knew they were oh. going to get fined. Yeah, that's what, that was my question. They knew. Do you think they knew what they were doing when they did this? Yeah. 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 It's it's a benefit to get there the night before. They leave right. at 1030. They gain the hour. They get there at 11 in the hotel room by 1140. They're sleeping. You wake up, have a light pregame skate around 1030, get a nice pregame nap. You win the game in overtime the next day versus you fly there at five, get there at 530, go to the rink. Maybe have a bad pregame skate at 10 or 9. It, your whole schedule's janked up. So they knew what they were doing. I I don't I I never agreed with that where you 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 have to have this time off. Are are we not free to do what we want in these countries? If all the players agree to jump on a plane and go to St. Louis, shouldn't they be allowed to do that? Well, I was watching the Bruins game last night with my mom, and there was a fight with Trent Frederick, and I forget who it was. It wasn't a very good fight. They they barely threw, but I I, I kind of mentioned to her that that John has has talked a lot about not requiring visors because they 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 slice up their hands when they fight, and she was like, her point was like, well, they make everyone wear them, like they're even adults. I'm like, yeah, the I think our point is that they should have a choice, and like visors, I would probably wear it. Like I get it, like it's, it's a safety thing, but don't you think these players should have a choice about their own safety with something like that? You know how I feel about this. Yes, yeah. of course, you should have a choice. <laughs> no, yeah. it's ridiculous. Yes, I get a helmet. You have you should have to wear a helmet. That is a proven way to prevent concussions and major head injuries. You don't want to wear a visor. You're you're taking your own eyes at your own risk. Like so, be it. Your nose, your facial structure. I get it. But the NHL's got to control everything. And then it's it's the fighters who pay. Like you you mess up your hands so many times. You see, I don't know, Clifford got into a fight in, with the Toronto Marlies. He punched some guy, dislocated his thumb because he probably caught his thumb on the guy's visor going in for the punch. So, I don't know, Toronto. Yeah. NHL. Hey, by the way, completely also off, off the agenda, but I was watching uh, Trailer Park Boys the other day, Canadian show. And they had a song that I loved, and I was like, "What is it?" It was, uh, um, uh, "What's the band you love?" The Tragically Hip. Yeah, and it was uh, Bob Cajun. You know that song? That's right. And yeah, so I, I don't know how big it. I've been listening to them for like a week now because I've been driving around so much. They're really good. It's a, it's a new favorite band. They're the best. Uh, rest you, in okay, peace, score down. But yeah, Americans don't know about them. They really don't. Well, the lead singer passed away. He passed away. Gosh, it's got to be five, six, seven years ago now. Maybe less. Yeah. But yeah, it's at least three or four years ago. Unbelievable band. My favorite band to date by far, even though they've been, you know, they haven't done anything because the lead singer has been dead for so many years. They're so incredible, Tim. My favorite tragically. Oh, tons. Tons. Yeah. 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 They're great band live, even better than their records when they're in the studio. Their live records are so, so incredible. All right, let's get on to some hockey. You put Miko Ranton on the agenda. Why are we talking about Miko Rantanen, Tim. 
to be honest, this is overdue. Um, we had talked a lot about the uh, the Avalanche and how they've struggled probably more than any other team with with injuries, especially to you know key injuries to their core players. Obviously, McKinnon has been out for about a month now. Uh, Landis Scott hasn't played yet this season. He had offseason surgery, and they've missed a lot of other time with uh, I don't remember all the names. Darren Helm has missed time. Cogliano, they missed some defensemen, and so big like five of their top six and three of their top three forwards are, you know, it's just, it's crazy. So, but Miko Rantanen has been there and he's been more than just like a steady of, you know, steady of the way he's been like lighting it up this year. And he's the reason that they, even though they're kind of mediocre compared to last year, this could have been a lot worse if it hadn't been for him. So I want to kind of pull up some stats here. He's got 24 game, 24 goals, 19 assists, 43 points in 33 games, which is a pretty, pretty typical season for him. He's been very, very good for a while, but it's been really special considering that he's done this without nearly the help that he has. Cause you got to think it's how much that power play has been affected. McCarr has missed time when you don't have that power play running the way that it's supposed to. And it's, it's him. We looked, we talked about their line a few weeks ago. It was like him and who else was out there? Nachuskin and nobody, right? And so um, he has been the only guy in the team who's been above a point per game, except for McKinnon, who's missed at least 10 games now. He scored 25% of their goals, one player, 25% of their goals. He's got 24 of their 99. And in their last three last three seasons, he's had 201 points in 160 games played. And you talk about the superstars in the league, and you talk about the avalanche, you think McKinnon and McCarr. And you, we don't talk nearly about about him. He's having a really special season, and really the reason that these guys haven't fallen out of playoff contention, and why when you talk about the teams in the West, you have to still talk about the Avalanche being the the top dog, just because of the injuries and all those guys coming back. McKinnon could skate as soon as Saturday. Landis is coming back sometime probably in January. These guys are going to be really, really dangerous. Well, and Nashuskin just he's out again. He just yeah. re-injured his surgically repaired ankle, so now he's gone. And when you look at the lineup from the Colorado Avalanche, their first line is Lycanen, Comfer, and Rantanen. Then after that, it's just a collection of fourth line guys. Rodriguez, Newhook, Malgan, they picked up from Toronto, Cagliano, O'Connor. And then a couple AHL guys filling out the third and fourth line. The funny thing about all of this injury stuff with the Colorado Avalanche, the, the adversity that they're going through right now, this is going to benefit them when they come playoff time. Landeskog, Manson, McKinnon, Byram, Nashuskin. They're hurt, but they're not putting miles in their body right now. They're recovering. They won the Stanley Cup last year. They played a little extra hockey. They're going to get healthy January, February, March. The beauty of Colorado is they play in the dumpy Western Conference. So they're still in a playoff position right now. They're in a wild card spot. Still in a playoff position. They'll they'll sneak in. They're going to play Dallas. Or Vegas in the first round, and tough luck for Vegas and Dallas. They're going to run into the Colorado Avalanche, and they're going to be super healthy, and they're going to be very rested, and they're going to be ready to go, and they'll be fine. And it's just it's it's going to work out in their favor. Now, if Colorado was in the East, I'd be singing a different tune. They'd be Florida. They would be Florida, but even worse. And maybe Chris McFarland, their GM. Maybe their their coach, Jared Bedner, they'd be pushing these guys back in action a little bit sooner than they would be that they're in the Western Conference. It's it's the benefit of just they have nothing to worry about. And this is a good thing. So I don't mind this. Obviously, you want everyone to be healthy, but there is a silver lining for the Avalanche. 
These guys will be fine. There's no long-term injury stuff. Maybe Nishuskin, if his ankle doesn't heal up, but these guys will be back. They'll be better than ever. And then, like we talked about, you're giving Miko Ranton in the reins of this team. He's been just hidden behind Landeskog, behind McKinnon, behind McCarr, behind, behind all the superstars that the Avalanche have. All of a sudden, this guy, he's he's the guy. And you're seeing what he can do. He's producing. He's keeping this team afloat and he's having a career year and it's fun to watch. He doesn't get the accolades accolades he deserves, but good for him, Tim. I like it. You know what? I'm rethinking my, my top five now. I think he's on it. I think he's my right winger what are on your a top playoff five? team and a playoff team. No, it's not. Five. Stop. Don't, yeah. don't stoke. Don't gaslight me. It's I, not fair. <laughs> I think I would take him over Kucherov now. No, he would not. No. He's bigger. He's stronger. He's still got the cup. He's yeah. not as skilled, not nearly as skilled as Kucherov. So don't. No, but, he... uh, but I'm picking McDavid, so I don't need him to be as skilled as Kucherov. Oh, you are taking McDavid. I said that. I said that last show. So your top five, if you go into the playoffs, you're you're going to have Ranton on on your team. Why are you saying that? He's he's a legit superstar, John. You're you're making it seem like I just talked about Darren Helm. You're not going to have Pasternak. I take Ranton in, in a playoff series over Pasta. Oh boy, there's going to be riots in the street in Boston when you get home, Tim. There's going to be spray paint. They're going to be at your door tonight. We're going to be careful. Uh, let's just pump the brakes, okay? Like Rantanen's a good player, but he's he's not a Kucherov. Ah, uh, not a Pasternak. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Look, he's I don't a want to talk. Player. I, okay. I don't want. I don't want to spend too much more time on this five player thing because it, that's all our podcast is going to turn into five players in the playoffs. That's that. It's, it's not dropping the gloves anymore. All right, let's do some quick hits and we'll get out of here. Sidney Crosby is receiving the order of Canada or he did receive it. It's for his contribution to his country. He will be an officer of the Order of Canada for being one of the greatest hockey players of all time and for supporting community service initiatives for youth what do you think what do you think of this why are you laughing well it's just like he's a hockey player and in canada's so funny it's like this guy's really good at hockey we're gonna give him the order of canada (laughs) like you know what i mean there's there's probably hundreds of people who have done more for the country than Sidney crosby but i get it he's a he's a famous person he won a gold medal for canada multiple gold medals so good for him i just think we elevate these guys to such a status or it's just like, he's just a hockey player. You guys, he's just a hockey player. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. He's getting the order of Canada. It's like people in great Britain, when they get knighted, like they're knighting Elton John, like a guy, guy plays piano. You're going to knight him. You don't get it, John. You don't get it. I don't, but it's like when they gave that, Greta Thunberg lady, the Nobel Prize or something. Like, she didn't do anything but complain about the weather. She didn't do anything. Did she solve it? I don't think so. They're still bitching about it. I don't know. It's warm today, so we must be fine, right? No, that proves it. Global warming. It's warm today. So they they win. Check one for them. I hope it's cold tomorrow. But I don't know. Good for Crosby. Stuff like this is to show so much of a footy that I am. Do you like this? I think it's cool. I think it's cool. And it, it's bigger than hockey, obviously, or they wouldn't give it to him. Um, 
because you think about the charity stuff and representing his country in the national stage so many times. And I'm sure he's raised millions. I'm sure he's donated a whole lot. Um, so yeah, I think he's been the quintessential leader for, for close to 20 years now. So I think it's totally fine. I like, I think it's cool. It is cool. Cause it's, a, it's a, it's a useless award. Cause I think they gave it to Don Cherry. Didn't they? I think he did get it too. Good for him. All right. Moving on to actual hockey stuff. Tori Krug is out again long-term for the St. Louis Blues. Not really a shocker. Ever since he has left St. Louis, or Boston, pardon me, he's been injured. What is going on? A, you're you're a Tory Krug insider. You know. He's a Michigan guy, but he played in Boston for a long time. You stood next to him in line for five seconds when you guys were trying to go to a bar together and he was walking by you. So you're good friends with him. What's going on with Tory Krug and how big of a bullet did Boston dodge by not signing him long-term? Yeah. He keeps texting me, but I never respond. Um, Tory, I don't know. I, letting him go at the thought at the time was a huge mistake. Maybe it wasn't worth the term. I think he got seven years at was it six and a half, mil, six yeah. and a half. And so, yeah, and, and I get them not wanting to commit that kind of money. When you had McAvoy coming into his own, it's going to be his defense. But you lost Chara and Krug in the same offseason, and we thought this was going to be a huge step back. And then and then St. Louis letting go of Petrangelo for Krug seemed even more confusing, honestly. I don't know why it didn't work out, but it didn't. It never did. And he, he put a, a solid points his first year. I don't have it in front of me, but like not like major, major points, but, but decent first year in St. Louis. And then he's been hurt most of the time. I don't know. I don't know. But I, what I do know now is the Bruins defense has probably never been better in the last 10 years and, and we're better off without him. But at the time, that was a surprise. And he's such a good he's a good player and he's such a good guy. I, I, it's bummed to see him not doing his best and, you know, not performing. But what? what yeah, it's do? funny how those little decisions work. And, and he has put up decent points. He's been there for roughly three seasons. But the thing is, he's missed time and you bring him in for the playoffs and he missed all of last playoffs. He only played three games. He gets injured the year before they lose in four didn't do much in the playoffs. So you're not getting, you're getting a decent return on him, but you want this guy in the lineup. And it's funny how the dominoes work in the NHL. It starts with one decision. Okay. Don Sweetie, we're not going to commit to Tory Krug long-term. I don't know. Maybe no one knows why that decision was made. We're going to move on from him. Charlie McAvoy, like you mentioned, he goes to St. Louis. We don't want to commit to Peter Angelo. I don't know. We're bringing in Tory Krug. Vegas gets him. Boston all of a sudden has a little hole on their defense. They get Hampus Lindholm. They can afford Mike Grizzlick. All of a sudden, their defense looks fantastic. Vegas has solidified their spot with Peter Angelo. And St. Louis has just a train wreck on the back end. When you look at their defensive structure, if Tory Krug's not healthy and playing at 100%, they have three guys making $6.5 million, and their defense is suspect. And they went from being the strength of their team. When they win the Stanley Cup, they have big, strong, physical defensemen. Now they have Justin Folk. They have Nick Letty. They have Perenko, who I don't know what happened to him. And they have Tory Krug. And it's not working in St. Louis. So eh, it's too bad because he's a great player. But then it begs the question in St. Louis. We're not in the playoffs right now. We're sitting what? Man, what are we? 10th in the West? 11th in the West? The West, anything can happen. It's the wild, wild West. We can go on a run and make the playoffs, but are we going to win the Stanley Cup? Ooh, and then let's look at our, our, our cap situation because that is oh so important. We got a couple of UFAs coming up next year, a couple big names that we can unload. 
We got Ryan O'Reilly. We got Vladimir Tarasenko. Those guys are going to give you a huge, huge return if you trade them. What do you do? If you're the GM, Tim, of the St. Louis Blues, and you're coming up the trade deadline, and you're in a playoff spot, what are you doing with these two players? Doug Armstrong, come on, Tim. What are you doing? Yeah. I'm selling. I'm trying to sell. This is not this is not a group that's going to do anything. And again, this is exactly the time of the year in 2019 that they proved all of us wrong and went from the being the worst team to the winning the cup. So maybe they'll do it again. Who knows? But no, they're not going to. So I'm trying to sell. You've already they've already shown us who their team is going to be moving forward. It's Kairou and Robert Thomas. That's that's the core of their offense. You got Tarasenko coming off a, a contract year. Or, yeah, contract year. Ryan Riley contract year. Barbashev, Achari contract year. These are all guys that would are going to get calls about in the in the uh, trade deadline. So I think you try to sell. You you give the rein to the younger group. It's a couple contracts that they probably like to get rid of, but they won't. Like a Letty, like a Falk, like a Pareko, but they're stuck with these guys for the you know for the time being. These guys have four or five, six years left in their deal. But I'm I'm selling what I can, and and I don't, I don't think they need a whole rebuild. I think it's just. You retool some of these contracts. I think Tarasenko for sure is gone. I could see O'Reilly coming back on a smaller deal where it's like, you know, three years at, at four or something like that. But is he is he the captain still? Because he talk about a guy going from the top of the mountain to someone you don't even hear anything about. He didn't score a goal for like the first 20 games of the season this year or something. Even now, what's he got? He's got 10 goals, six assists. That's not 16 points from 35 games from your from your captain, from the guy that, that led you all the way. And he's only 31. It's not like he's over the hill. I don't know what happened to him. I know he'd probably play us through injuries because he's the type of guy that would. But I think I think this these guys, the core that won in 2019 is not the core of this team moving forward. Well, yeah, that, that's that's a given. And I think everybody can just state now that that was they caught lightning in a bottle that, that it didn't duplicate. They. Whatever happened, it worked. It's it's not happening again. I'm excited for this trade deadline. There's going to be some good players up for grabs. Chicago's got a few. St. Louis has a few. If the Islanders are there, if they're not there, maybe they start unloading some of their players. The Rangers all of a sudden are scratching and clawing for a playoff spot. Maybe they don't make it and they start unloading some of their players. I don't know. It's I say it every year, though, and it never comes to fruition. Last year, I wanted Malkin to go. I wanted Latang to go. I wanted all these guys to go, and it never happened. Hurdle, so, yeah. I, I, you want stuff to happen. But I think this year, those two teams, St. Louis and Chicago, they will be sellers, and they'll be sellers early. And it's going to be fun to watch because don't look now. There's some teams that are slowly creeping up into contention. I'm looking at you, Vancouver Canucks. Lots of friends of the show. I, they will make the playoffs. My Vancouver Canucks. Oh, come on. Yeah. They've won three in a row, seven of their last 10. I like the Canucks, especially in that Pacific, in that West. They're not that far out of it. They got two games in hand, three games in hand on Calgary. And they're six points behind them. So who's who are they pushing out? Oh, Seattle, Minnesota, Calgary, uh, any of those teams. I Tim. Would you want to face the Vancouver Canucks in the first round if if you're one of these top teams like LA, Winnipeg, Dallas? Vancouver's a, a dangerous team offensively. They go, baby. It's also a team that you could sweep. You don't know what you're getting from the Vancouver Canucks, so I I wouldn't be afraid of them. I mean, I'm, they, I know they're talented. They're you're not, not afraid of anything, though. That's a good point. If you're if you're listening at home, write that down. 
That's not I fair. I don't think I don't know. I'd rather play the I'd rather play them than the Kings. I don't know. I don't know. If they can figure out their defensive game, like I think they're starting to, you know, if if you can limit Quinn Hughes a little bit, rein in Oliver Ekman Larson. Dangerous team. Dangerous team. I got the goalie in my fantasy squad. He got me a win this past week. Spencer Martin. Only only let in two. It's good. It's good for me. All right. Anything else, Tim? Uh well, the winter classic is up. To everyone's surprise, because they're not even really marketing it, including here in Boston. But yeah, the Bruins are playing the Penguins January 2nd at Fenway. Should be cool. I'll be watching. I'm not really excited for it. I don't really care. I think this whole winning classic thing is totally just run its course. It's not How many times anymore. have they done that at Fenway? Once at Fenway, once at Gillette, where the Patriots play. It's the third time in Boston. Um, it's just silly. And the Penguins, I think, have played four a times. A bunch of them. Yeah, and this Crosby's played third. outside a bunch. They yeah. need to just pump the brakes and let it simmer a little bit. You can't just force it down people's throat. Don't go to Europe for five years. Don't do the, just do one a year, just one, and people will get excited about it again. Just and go to big markets. Have the game in Canada. Have the game in Ottawa, Toronto, Edmonton. Do one in Chicago, Soldier Field. That'd be fun. I don't know. And then you don't market it. Gary's such a dummy. And maybe it's not him. I don't know. But anyways, everybody, we're not going to talk to everybody until the New Year's, Tim. Man, oh, man, it's that time of season. We got Christmas. We got the new. What are you plans for New Year's, Tim? You're just going to kiss as many gals as you can and, and the ball drop. You're going to hate this. So I'm I'm driving tomorrow. You're going to hate this, he says. <laughs> I leave in the morning uh, and it takes about two days to drive down. Um, and I'm. So at the, I forget if I talked about this on the show, but after the 4th of July, my dog Levi like was so scared after the fireworks, he wouldn't walk around at all for almost two months. Like he wouldn't walk. He would just lay down. He would only want to go back to the apartment after he did his business. So what I'm going to do is we're going to stay at a hotel, whether it's back in Charlotte or not. I don't know how quickly I'll get down there just so at least he doesn't associate that with like our neighborhood. So it doesn't I'm not going through that again. He wouldn't. It was awful. So they don't let fireworks go on New Year's, do they? I think they, they do. Do, do yeah. they? I don't know. There's no rules down in the South anyway. So just play um, some music in your apartment. Dogs hear everything, man. And so, yeah, we're going to stay at a hotel and go to bed at 930 and it's going to be great. So you don't want him to associate your house with negative sounds. And and our, like, our, yeah, our neighborhood. Because like, there were streets you wouldn't go down. He was all up in his own head. So trying to avoid that and not just to make him feel safer which is nice but also like like i said it took two months to get back into getting him to really walk again so i'm not i don't want to do that again crazy that sounds like a blast you're gonna what are you doing spoon them i'm which, gonna which make girls you wouldn't stay up no oh, none of them no this is my wife and i have a little routine now that we have a, a, a gaggle of kids i make her dinner on new year's eve so she just sent me her uh menu she wants to do steak <laughs> and scallops with champagne no. with a salad and have a little goat cheese uh, appetizer because she can't do dairy because the baby's allergic to dairy. So I'll go get some goat cheese. We'll do steak and scallops and a salad. Maybe some roasted potatoes. I Yeah. And we'll just have a nice little night. I'll start a fire. Sounds lovely. It'll be great. And yeah. And then I'll cover. What do you do? You listen to the, the radio? St- <laughs> no, we talk, Tim. People talk still. Yeah. Okay. I'll text her. We just text across to them. Kids <laughs> yeah. these days don't know how to talk to women. Swipe right on Tinder. And that's all they do. And they get in front of somebody. Like, Clam up. I'll talk to my wife. That's what we'll do. 
Maybe nice. play a game of uh, cribbage. It'll be great. Yeah. Sounds you'll lovely. Spoon, you'll be spooning Levi. I. It'll be great all around. But anyways, everybody, I hope you guys have a great New Year's. We'll talk to you in 20. I'll see you next year. Oh. As my dad always would say, like, I'm like, oh, you're such a doofus. All right. But anyways, thanks for listening, everybody. We will talk to you next year. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.